be simply me, no matter what, nothing else matters. The podcast for personal inspiration, being you again and we much more, simply you, no matter what, nothing else matters. Ellen Light, Business Development Strategist, Virtual Coach, Personality Typing Expert, SMM Specialist, Mastermind Facilitators, Founder of Life Architects Empowerment Tribe for Women Coaches, Host at Life Origami, Podcast with Ellen Light. He helps women coaches and solopreneurs to be heard, supported and empowered. Women coaches and solopreneurs reach out to, to him to find new opportunities for growth in their business and develop an authentic personal brand based on their personality. He believes that business is a tool for self-realization and that every human soul deserves to be seen, heard, respect, supported and empowered just for being themselves. Just like all champions have coaches, he believes that you deserve a dedicated team to be heard, supported and empowered to reach your champion potential. Today's episode, it's my deepest pleasure to have Ellen Leet here uh, from Estonia. And this is something very special because I love this country. And we had a conversation before. And welcome, welcome, welcome to my podcast. Thank you. My pleasure to be here. It's all about be simply me. Who are you when you are simply you? Mm. That's that's a really deep question, and some time ago it would have been tough to answer. And um, I would say, for me, be simply me is is about me without any labels. It is not constraining myself to position myself as I am someone, right? In terms of like, I'm a business professional or I'm a business development strategist or I'm a personality typing expert. All of those labels for me is something that limits the perception of others of who I am. And uh, for me, I am Alan Late in all of its form and expression. And uh, if we talk about uh, specifics, like for all our listeners to better know in terms of what I do, and that's a different thing. What I do is an expression of my passions and talents. And uh, in terms of uh, my self-expression through what I do, because I really uh, love the idea that everything that we do, all the businesses that we run, uh, they are a tool for self-realization, a tool to express what we have within us to the world around us and uh, to be able to provide the value through what we are to the world. Now, in terms of what I am and what I do, um, my major thing where I started my own personal journey, it all started with business administration. That is uh, my um, first faculty in university that I went to. And it all started, you know, um, I will go even further down the line, uh, all the way to childhood, where I was living a life where I wasn't really inspired to be anyone. I was, um, I was uh, in a family that was, we had struggling times in terms of financial situations. And um, 
when I was little, we, we and my mom, after my parents got divorced, we went to England for four years. And there I had a really big culture shock in terms of, uh, like, I was in a country that was really, um, I would say monochrome. <laughs> like, it's, it's uh, we had only, uh, let's say, white people all around us. I was uh, living tightly in a community of Russian-speaking people. And all of a sudden, I came into a multicultural society. That was a cultural shock that uh, you would only like maybe view in in movies that there are p- different people out there, but you never encountered them because we had a, such a small, closed society. And I've uh, entered into a place where I actually got into this multicultural dimension where I had people from all over the world, all races and all colors. And it was like really exciting because I was small and I didn't have all those prejudices that uh, usually is intertwined into people. Like uh, um, I was ri- raised by my mother uh, and she is uh, more, a, I would say, a more open spiritual being <laughs> in a sense, right? She she was into esoterics for, from when I was really little. So she never had those uh, perceptions about life, about uh, who is who and uh, how to relate to other people depending on the race, nation or differences. So we lived in England. That created a huge culture shock for me. Um, it had its own big downs, uh, but a big up from there was that I became really open. Um, I've learned English. Uh, and uh, from there, I have uh, became a person who was able to uh, really start to become a global citizen. In, in, a, in a broad manner of it, of accepting that I'm not just in one place. Yep. Did you want to what, ask something? What's your mother, lang- mother language? It's Estonian and Russian, isn't it? Uh, what is my mother tongue? I would say uh, it is Russian because mm-hmm. uh, basically the whole family speaks Russian. Uh, the only uh, main member of my family who was really Estonian Estonian was my grand grandfather. He mm-hmm. was like uh, real Estonian, and uh, all the rest were uh, basically Russian speakers, because my my one of my grandmas and grandfather are from Russia, uh, one of them is from Belarus, uh, and grandmother is from Latvia. So it's really multi-dimensional if we just go to the grandmother level. <laughs> but. Uh- for all the listeners out there, because Estonia and also Lettland and Latvia, you were like in a communistic area. And I think you're the, uh, yes, first, for f- mm-hmm. you're the first generation who, who were just op- open, open it up, isn't it? Uh, yes, uh, in terms of uh, like being open in a more democratic country, mm-hmm. um, I was born right after everything fell apart, like the Soviet Union fell apart. Mm-hmm. So it was uh, 1993 and it was just two years into, uh, let's say, the, the freedom <laughs> from from Soviet Union. So, but I didn't actually ever experience anything <laughs> of... Um, of the manner of restraints. Um, I, I think I was lucky in, in a broad sense uh, that my family wasn't um, 
hardcore anywhere in terms of beliefs or cultural systems. Uh, even though one of my grandmothers is uh, is really a strong believer in socialism, <laughs> uh, even though she, but but she's also um, like really open into different ideas from all, all over the world. So I, I was lucky to have a mother that um, is multidimensional. I would say uh, in terms of her perception of the world. Um, and uh, yeah, the, the experience of living in England for four years was a major shift into opening up my mind into what is possible out there in terms of um, perceiving of who I am and where I'm from. Mm -hmm. And which age uh, did you stay in London? And that, uh, I lived in, uh, in Luton, it's just uh, not far away from uh, London. So uh, I was there from uh, eight, somewhere around till 12. So that, that was the time frame. Mm -hmm. You were talking about labeling before. Mm -hmm. it's like when I, in my inner eye or perception, it's like coming from a communist country, going to, to UK, it's you didn't you had any any point of views about the people in England and as you said there are color people and all the things I mean the first eight years who are actually very profound for everybody um, is you got kind of you know values and beliefs and everything with you then you are going to a country like England how was it for you I would say, as I, as I mentioned, I think it was easy uh, because uh, my family wasn't really um, wasn't really conditioned uh, by by the society of that time. Um, I've mainly uh, because my father was um, uh, at that time serving in the navy, and um, he he was a lot abroad. Uh, on uh, work trips and uh, so I was with my mother most of the time and for her being I would say a free being that isn't conditioned by by the societal ideas of um, how we should live life so I also had a more free mindset in terms of being able to accept that the world is different so I wasn't really conditioned of uh, I didn't have the conditioning that could have been for many other people of my age back then. Yeah, and uh, what I was uh, kind of saying about uh, discovering myself. So uh, that was a big multicultural experience. And then diving uh, from there, um, there was a period of time where we spent there four years and we came back to Estonia. And uh, for, I think for a large number of years, like maybe three to four years, I was totally lost. Like I was uh, in a place where uh, I wanted to go back. Um, I didn't want to study here uh, in Estonia. I didn't want to learn the language. I like I was fully resisting uh, everything that was um, in terms of the local culture. Um, and I really wanted to go back to England because uh, I was so in tune with all the things that England is about, all the free society and multiculturalism and just studying in one language. Because uh, if we look at Estonia, here English was just one of the la like uh, international languages we learned. 
um, the education was fully in Russian and uh, there were some um, Estonian uh, language courses, uh, like lessons throughout the year. Um, but um, I, I never was really fond of learning in Russian after the English experience. Uh, I and that was a big fallout for many years. Um, and I didn't do well in school. And after uh, graduating grade nine, I wanted, I was a person who uh, I didn't know any better than go to get some kind of profession. And then for the rest of my life, just do that. I, I didn't have any ideas of what was possible. It was just, uh, I would, for, from a perspective of the level of consciousness and seeing the opportunities that are available now, looking at myself back then, it, it was crazy. I would say that that was, uh, it's scary to live in that kind of mindset. And yet so many people are in that. And uh, basically, um, my grandmother insisted that I go continue my studies in, um, in gymnasium. That's year uh, 10 and 11 and 12 here in Estonia. And um, on year 11, I had this idea that everything will change once I go to university. It's just what, I don't know, I don't remember where it came from, but I just had this fixation that when I get to university, that is when I will decide what I will learn, when I will be learning, and who I'm going to become. Because in school, I, I was rebelling against school because I never understood why do we have to learn all the things that we will never put into practice, especially with uh, learning them with uh, teachers that are theorists, never actually did anything in their life besides teaching. And they were so old that they, they were just already tired of constantly year in and year out teaching the same things to stupid children that do not get it you know uh, and uh, it was really tiring and uh, it was challenging yet by grade 12 I can say that I was lucky enough to be in many countries around the world so traveling as we discussed on our podcast like traveling was something that I was blessed with um, that I had opportunities to visit many different countries around the world. And back then it was somewhere around 18 to 20 countries I've been in uh, by the grade 12 uh, through different programs and whatnot. Uh, and that really enabled me to perceive the world in a more open, in a more open way. And in grade 11, there was one guy who came about from a university in Finland. He was a graduate of our school and then started to share about what's uh, was the studies like there and that he's studying business and there are many different other faculties. And I was like, I want to go there. I just, I, I didn't know where I want to go, but it was like, for me, I had this idea that, okay, I know that my uncle is doing some kind of business and that could be fun and maybe I can work with him. And um, I was like, that's it. I'm going there. Um, ended up um, studying, but not making it into that university. Uh, all the top places were taken by Asians because they are really hardworking and they just studied everything through in, uh, in and out and they deserve to be there ahead of me. <laughs> um, and then um, one month later, I was in a pivotal point of where now I have to decide, am I going to work 
and not know what I'm going to do with my life or I'm going to go to study. And I was like, okay, I need to find something similar here in Estonia because I don't want to go to work. <laughs> I don't want to go to work. And uh, so I found the same faculty, uh, but it was uh, a paid tuition. Uh, I took uh, credit uh, for studies and uh, I went all in. And ever since I never looked back. That was my journey when I started actually making my own choices in terms of what I'm going to go to study. And I took responsibility for that. You mentioned it again, you finally made your own choices. What mm. was the key point or the, the, the key change? I believe the key change was the idea that I had in gymnasium that everything will be different in university mm -hmm. and I'll be deciding where I want to go. Because in school, you really had to go through it uh, because it's a necessity. And you won't get anywhere in life without going through the, the stages. Mm -hmm. And then you will, like, if you don't go through grade 12, like the whole journey of the, of the schooling system, you won't be able to get into university. And I didn't want to kind of lose that opportunity if I ever wanted to go there. And um, during the journey of those years in gymnasium, I was constantly year in and year out. I was thinking like, no, I want to quit this. I don't want to be studying in school anymore. I want to go get a profession. And uh, even when I wanted to decide, like one of the major things I wanted to do, I wanted to go and study IT. Mm -hmm. um, no, information technology, right? And my grandmother was uh, saying that that's not a profession. What are you going to do? Like, and she's like, go to engineering. Engineering is the job of the future. You're going to have a stable job and you, you're going to make money and uh, you will be in demand and everything else. And back then, I never realized anything about the world. I was just listening to everyone else. Um, I, I, also, I also was fond of uh, cooking or the idea that I like to cook. And um, Uh, my mother was like, well, then go and be a cook, learn, learn cooking and be a cook. And I was like, maybe. Uh, and uh, my grandmother was uh, resisting that uh, as well. Like, no, that's not a profession that would be tiring. That's not for you. And, you know, constantly listening uh, while I was a child to what my relatives think that I should do was challenging. Because then you're not making your own decision in terms of who, who what will be your journey. You, but, but this mm -hmm. is something what we that's so usual. It's so normal. It's in mm -hmm. my my. That's why I'm always smiling because that's a sentence I always heard. Mm -hmm. Learn, learn. You know something what brings in money. Yeah. And all the things. And and for me as woman, <sighs> uh, marry a farmer. And I'm like, mm -hmm. what? Mm -hmm. And it, it. But this is still something very common. And, mm -hmm. and for me, it's like. Um, I see, I begin to see it as abuse. It is children. It is not giving them the room, whatever they want to become. Exactly. And you know, yesterday I was on clubhouse. We were discussing deep topics, uh, in, in the, in the realm of healing the inner child. Mm -hmm. And, um, like one of the major things that actually gets us hurt when we are children, like the child traumas, it is actually when, Our parents, in, mo in many cases, uh, they are conditioned and they have a lot of prejudice. 
they have their own developed defense mechanism through which they learn to survive in this world. And the key phrase is survive. And they, they do it out of love because they want to protect their children. And what they do, and they don't realize it, is that they do not take the child as the, their unique self into the, into the understanding that the child needs their own journey. And they push onto the child everything they, they perceive that the world is and how to navigate the world. And that is imposing, not sharing, but imposing on the child all the prejudice and all the conditioning that helps them as they perceive in helping to be successful and secure in life. And that is the journey every single one of us is going through where our parents are just imposing on us their beliefs, their systems, their prejudice and their conditioning of what the world is and how we should live it to stay safe and stay, quote unquote, sometimes successful. And yet it's a it's an outdated um, system or strategy already. And I think we become more and more aware of it because I do for years so many inner child healing that, that you truly see what, and even when, you, when our parents mean it in a good way, that's, mm-hmm. uh, but it's still their world. And, yes. and for me, it's like, how can we break out of it? For, for me, the breaking out of that cycle uh, was, um, let's say, the journey that I described uh, in, my, um, in my idea, where I want to write a book about it as well, is the journey from atheism to spirituality. Mm-hmm. Um, and I described this journey from being a person who is really materialistic and down to earth, from a place where uh, we know that uh, we need to get a job, we need to be secure, and everything in life is all about science and facts. And uh, from that place where we are just living our automatic lives, and my journey through the stages of becoming more self-aware and becoming more conscious. And those journeys for me uh, were several stages. First of all, is understanding how the world functions. And the world functions and how to better understand how the world functions is understanding economy and finances and business. That is the foundation of the world, of our society. It's uh, when we understand what those three topics are about and how they function and how they're built out, we get an understanding how the world operates. What is, what is the, let's say, controlling figures and factors that, that are moving the development of this world. And when we are opening up our mind into what is possible for us to be part of that system, to not only be a, um, how to better say it, and not only to be under the influence of the system and working for the system, but actually learning how to be in the system as a player and learning to play your own game in the whole global agenda. 
So that was the first, uh, first step of opening my mindset through learning business, learning economy, and learning finances. Um, that was the first step where I have, I've understood that we are, we're able not only to be workers, not only to be slaves to the corporate world, but we actually have the power and uh, we have the influence and we have the possibilities, no matter where we are in the world, to make our own thing and make our own impact and uh, be self-employed or entrepreneurs because everything is all about value exchange. Because if money is value, then value can be exchanged for money. And when we know how to deliver value, then we can exchange it for money. And that is the major lesson that I've learned through university and years after. Now, the next step for me was not only understanding how the world functions, it's actually understanding what our body is all about. So looking into uh, neuroscience, looking into self-development, understanding um, how our body functions from a physical level. Like what, what is the physical aspects of, uh, of change? What is going on in our brain that it enables us to grow and develop, to change how we perceive life, how we function in life, how we behave, how we react, and learning through going into self-development uh, sphere and uh, learning about um, neuroscience and everything closely connected to it enabled me to open up to the idea that this self-development movement is a powerful thing and we actually can through the work with conscious thoughts change many things in how we live life next big thing that happened is i've opened up to psychology when i've uh, touched psychology my first step was where my mother got acquainted with the enneagram it's a personality typing tool and uh, for me uh, back then it was a, it, it was another major shock because this was the first time where I've understood and really proved for myself that you can read about yourself on paper, where you can take a test or uh, go through a process of, uh, uh, let's say, uh, testing, interviewing with a specialist, and you can find your own personality type. Mm -hmm. And your personality type will tell you a lot of things you're not aware of. So discovering that unconsciousness right within me, understanding what are those core needs and core desires and what is driving my thoughts, my emotions and my behavior. That was another major shift in my life. And when I started to study the Enneagram, looking into other personality typing modalities, I've understood that this is a powerful idea that is not taught anywhere. So if we're talking about business, business in itself is not taught anywhere because no one, the school system doesn't want you to have your own business. The school system needs slaves because otherwise the economy won't function. It's just true. The economy needs workers. Workers are not entrepreneurs. Workers are people who have a profession 
and they go do their work from nine to five or from nine to nine, and they don't ask questions, they abide the rules and they get paid and then go spend the money on the economy. That is what the school system is all about. And uh, the school system isn't interested for you to know more about how to do your own business. So you have to learn it yourself. And when you actually uh, learn about business, you become liberated because now you know that you have a choice and now you can consciously decide what you want to do in life and what you want life to be like in terms of your self-realization in what you do. And when you start opening up to psychology and personality typing tools, you start opening up and seeing, okay, this was how I was raised. This is the mechanism I developed of thinking of emotional patterns and of behavior. Now I can consciously develop. And this consciousness development is all about where we, uh, most people make a mistake here. They learn about the system. They look at, the, uh, at uh, their personality and they say, oh, I'm a number seven. Oh, I'm an ENTP. Oh, I'm this. Oh, I'm that. And they say, this is me with all the good and the bad. But what they do is they use the bad that is written on paper and use it to justify their actions. They use it to justify their behavior. They use it to justify their thoughts. And they stay in this closed mindset where they use it as an excuse. They put on a label, like they put on a cow and it says like, where's the cow from? And uh, it's Asian, everything else. They put the, on themselves a label and say, this is who I am. Mm. And they justify their actions with that label. And that's why, where I was talking about labels. Mm -hmm. Now, what I believe all the personality typing tools, they should be used purely to become more self-aware, to become more conscious and use that foundation that we can find in those tools to self-develop and break out of the borders and the barriers and the limitations that we've put ourselves into unconsciously. Because if we look at the personality typing development, it goes through the age from uh, birth till seven. That is where our satisfying of our core need is built upon. This is all our, how do we learn to satisfy our needs? This is our personality and how we unconsciously satisfy our core need. And just for all the listeners out there, what I'm talking about is, if we look at the Enneagram, Enneagram has nine personality types as global agendas. There are nine core needs None of the types is better or worse than the other. Mm. Every single type is unique. And uh, each type has its own core need. How, like, what is that type lacking in their environment and constantly is trying to satisfy that core need? Like, for example, there are three triads of uh, types. There is a physical triad. And their life is all about boundaries, respect. And um, there's another triad that's all about emotions that are the need for love and acceptance. And there's another triad that is all about the mental processes and everything that connected to fears and safety. 
And depending on what kind of uh, environment you had and uh, the core need is basically you're born with that core need and you were born into a family that was your lesson. As, as we say, the children and the parents, they, they've made an agreement before birth and for the, for the parents to have a lesson with that child and for the child to have that lesson with their parents. And we were born with a specific need that we are learning to satisfy. But uh, when we're children and we're dependent on our uh, surrounding to support our life, we develop mechanisms of behavior that provide, like, provocate our surrounding into supplying what we need. And that is those patterns of behaviors where we learn to satisfy the need through provocation of the surrounding into helping us to gain what we need. This is how our, this is how the personality develops. And through life, if we do not bring it to the conscious awareness of what is the core need that we are playing with, right? Because every single interaction of other human beings is based on us, uh, like in, let's say, when we are approaching relationships unconsciously, then every single relationship is all about unconscious, selfish ideas of realizing that we need to satisfy our needs. So we are looking for external resources to supply us with what we need. And uh, unconsciously, every single relationship is selfish. Now, when we come to a situation where, how do we outgrow this? We learn what are our core needs that we were born with? What is the potential that we were born with? And what we need to rewire is we need to decondition ourselves from the need of supplying what we need from the external world and find resources within us. So uh, everything that we've tried to find in other people, in interaction with other people, everything, all our cravings for connection with others, we, we try to analyze what was the need that we're trying to satisfy through those connections, through those behaviors, through those interactions, no matter how good or bad they are. And when we learn it, then we work. And that's a work not for one session. That's not a work for a week. That's not a work for a month, not even for a year. That will be years of practice where we decondition our patterns and learn to live life, finding energy within, finding that resource within us. And um, when we finally acquire that strength within us, then we start communicating with life, not from a standpoint of need. Mm. We stop being needy, but we actually stop see, start seeing people for who they are and not as objects that satisfy our needs. And so that is, uh, let's say, the, the biggest epiphany that we can have about personality typing, where we do find what is within us and what is our way of being is based on, then work to find the resource within 
with specialists. And I'm not saying that it's a long journey. This is a journey. It's really well said. Just yesterday, I was watching a video uh, by personality. Um, what was the channel called? I don't remember what it was the channel called. Basically, they were talking about the idea that we are not able to see our own personality. That our own personality is our blind spot. So our self-expression is unconscious. So we mm -hmm. cannot really see it without um, gaining help from outside with, for example, the personality typing tools. That is one big resource where we can discover those, this help. And the other one are specialists who specialize in personality typing or psychologists and psychotherapists, not especially they need to be knowing personality typing, but they have the tools and techniques to bring out from you what was developed and hidden and help you to work through it so that you stop being conditioned and live more freely. So yeah, so personality typing for me was a, it was a discovery of a tool of liberation where we are able to finally look at ourselves from the outside and see what works and what doesn't work and uh, compare it to where we want to be in life and then we synchronize those two. What is helping us to get to where we want to be and what doesn't help us to where we want to be, as well as analyzing is where we want to be really where we want to be authentically, mm -hmm. right? There's so, like, it's really, for me, personality typing tools, uh, it was a liberation. Mm -hmm. After learning that, after discovering personality typing, I still was a person who was really rejecting everything esoteric. I, these were psychological tools. Like I can prove it. I can see it. I see it in research. I see it in examples. I, uh, I've, uh, let's say I did my scientific research where I've looked at what uh, I took unbiased people. I put them through testing and I uh, analyzed their life and I looked at their patterns and I proved that this system works. It has a foundation that can be proven. But esoterics cannot be proved. It's something we don't see. It's something we cannot touch. It's just there and it impacts. And uh, for me, um, one of the, uh, there, there were like three stages there. Um, I do not recommend anyone to specifically go through those stages to achieve that. It was just my journey. Um, I've went through several practices is I've learned Tata healing. Mm -hmm. And I've learned access bars. Those were the two modalities that helped me to look at the world beyond the materialistic world. It helped me to connect with things that we cannot see, but we can sense and not with our five senses. It's something beyond that. Only and for the listeners out there, there are many, many different tools. And um, I'm, you know, I'm very similar to you. I always say this, this, these are like tools only to help you to um, actually crack in your subconsciousness and becoming mm -hmm. more and more aware of what you actually have inside you. I also have yes. uh, tons of methods and uh, I can, you know, learn from everybody till one day I recognize that all my wisdom is actually from inside me. And as child, if I would knew how to to know what I know anyway, I wouldn't need all those tools. And when mm -hmm. you're talking about the uh, profiles, I also used many, looked at many, many profile types because I'm really into psychology. 
And the interesting part is it's also another step or our steps that you're realizing who you are, that you actually know more and more about yourself. And this is all about the be simply me. And yeah. asking you now at the, this stage of your life from the now, do you believe you know you already? No. There's so much more to discover. Um, I, I believe that uh, there comes a time where we play with systems. There comes a time where we analyze um, personality typing tools from a perspective of discovery, from a perspective of something that is, is right there, right? It's, it's do a test, do it correctly, and discover a lot about yourself. But there comes a time where those discoveries, they need to transcend into transformation. Mm-hmm. Because just knowing who, what you have within you doesn't change anything. The awareness, the awareness leads to consequences. It leads to unconscious change. When we like, uh, there are like this, the steps of transformation where first we have to acknowledge that this, this is there. Same as we're how to deal with a problem. You need to acknowledge that it is there, that there is a problem. That is the first step. Then you have to accept it, right? That's the next level that you actually not only see it, but you accept that this is there and it is fine. But then not only that you have to acknowledge and see, then you have to work with it. But isn't, isn't it also like a labeling when you believe that what you, what's there is a problem or a solution or a challenge? That's, that's a great question. That's a great question. I believe that, um, let me share the, the final stage that got me to answer that question. Mm-hmm. When we look at uh, the personality typing, there, there is two nuances. One of them is inborn potential. The other is developed mm-hmm. being. And um, for me, what I've discovered is the, the through going through those stages of looking beyond the materialistic world and learning Tata healing and access bars and other modalities and opening up to the esoteric field. Um, I first encountered um, like one and a half years after getting into personality typing, I've discovered a tool called human design. Mm-hmm. And um, at first I have to be truthful. I looked at it, I, I saw astrology, and I said goodbye. Yet, several months later, inner feeling, no one told me. I was like, I remember I was shown the tool, and there's something there I need to study. Just an inner calling. And I did. And I spent two weeks I don't remember how many hours per day. It was like the whole day I was just researching. And what I've discovered is everything that I've came to know about myself through personality typing theories. I had it as an inborn potential. Something that I've been able to see through my life. I saw that it was something that I was born with as potential. Now, for all those listeners who are not aware of what human design is, 
This is a synthesis of many different systems, modern and ancient. And it looks at your time, date, and place of birth to tell you what was the energy imprint in you. Conscious energy input and unconscious energy imprint. And those energies were imprinted by, let's say, these are the energies of the stars that influence you when you were born and 88 lunar days before you were born. And it talks about the idea that we have those energies as potential. They're defined and they're playing their game. They are there and they are constantly day by day playing the role in our life. And we don't see it because we never actually reflect on it. And then there are second type of energy. It's open energy. And the open energy is the energy that we learn to live through communication with other people. These are the, uh, we learn how to express those energies and live those energies through interaction with others. That is where we understand that everything that has got to do with labeling ourselves in terms of who we are and uh, what we are like and what we can or cannot do, it all comes down to understanding what is your inborn potential and what expresses in you as your authentic truth and how to listen to your authentic truth. Um, that is one of the core things that um, I've discovered in human design that each one of us has a core strategy and inner authority, so-called. And this is a strategy of making decisions in life. Something how we can make decisions that will be in tune with what is for us the best thing. And it's not something that we take from our mind. It's never is something that we take from our mind. It's uh, our mind is never the authority in terms of what is good or what is bad. Our mind has always prejudice and always is conditioned. We have to remember that the mind is a, um, a resource. It's a machine. It's learning every day what is happening around us. It is analyzing what is happening. It is comparing what is happening to what can happen. And it builds near links to say and label and for us to define what is world to live a safe way. So the mind functions to keep us safe. Mind functions to survive. And it doesn't know what is good or what is bad. It just defines by itself automatically. This is dangerous and this exactly. can be healthy. Shakura. Mm. In human design, mm. I'm a reflector. Mm -hmm. This is so interesting. Uh, since I know that for many, many years, I understand why I could create my own nutrition style and coaching therapy style and why I can do the work what I'm doing. And for me, human mm -hmm. design was, was since till today, actually one of the best, actually the best uh, method to understand myself. Yeah. And it's uh, like in terms of what we can get out of human design as well. It's not about conditioning ourselves to believe that we are this thing. Everything that we are is potential. And it's our choice to consciously go against it 
And it's okay to go against it. You can rebel or experiment and see where that leads you to. Mm. And human design is all about entering an experiment. And human design tells you what your potential is. And uh, it helps you to discover what is your authentic way of being as Mm. a strategy and as a strategy of listening to yourself. And then you experiment with every single detail of what it is to live your truth. And no one can tell you what is your way to live your truth. There is no universal way. There, even every single personality that is out there, every single, like, if you meet another person of the same type as you are, you will never be the same. Mm -mm. You will have similarities, yes. You will have potentially the same life experience, yes. You will have a perception of life that is really close to each other, yes. But you never will be the same. There's no two persons on earth that will be identical. But isn't that beautiful? And that is beautiful. That is beautiful. Definitely. There's one last question because we mm -hmm. were talking so many times about it. When you would have the chance to recreate from beginning of the baby or kindergarten Mm -hmm. school system, how would you create Mm. it? That's a beautiful question. Um, um, I've been thinking a lot about it for my future children. And what I was thinking about is the idea that take into account that I know uh, from experience, from practice, and from the experience of so many other people out there, environment is everything. For me, um, it is part of my personality to do so, but I want my child to grow up in a culture that is supportive, that is helping the child to discover themselves and everything that is going to be Well, okay, let's look at it this way. If we're talking about the surrounding, it's a private kindergarten, a private school. In that school, there should be only families that are constantly developing, families that uh, understand the value of mental health, families where each family member is constantly working on their mental health. And uh, this is something that I believe should be defined. It will be hard, it will be difficult. Um, But I believe that every single child deserves to be surrounded by a healthy environment. And for me, healthy environments are uh, teachers and uh, people who look after kids that actually are loving their job they are passionate about their topic that are themselves constantly developing and discovering who they are and what they love. And uh, especially in their profession, in their field, they're constantly developing and they love working with children. 
they love their they have a passion for what they do and that is what a teacher should be like uh, and for the families as i said um, it's a surrounding where the family that enters into this circle this private circle of families uh, it should be a family that is uh, constantly as i said working on their mental health constantly developing um, consciousness self-awareness and working on the relationships within the family because this is everything we learn by example children learn on the example of parents if the parents are unhealthy children will never be able to be healthy because the majority of influence that they have is their social surrounding in school or children garden and the major influence is their family and if the family isn't healthy if the family isn't working on their consciousness if the family isn't working on the relationship uh, if the family isn't working on being aware how to help their child fully express their authentic truth, then the child will suffer. Then the child will be in a position of heavy conditioning and that will rub off on every single child in the group as well. Mm. And uh, it's not about the idea of, uh, you know, a, a bad apple spoils the bunch or that uh, the apple that falls from the tree is still from that tree. It's not about uh, selection for the purpose of discrimination, no. This is, uh, this is selection for the purpose of building a healthy environment. And a healthy environment isn't about restraints. Healthy environment isn't about limitations or strict rules. Healthy environment is about health in all of its forms. Mental health, emotional health, and physical health. And even though that uh, we are not always able to be great at everything, the key definition of, uh, of a healthy lifestyle is that you're working on it, is that you're working on developing your mental health, is that you're working on developing your emotional health and you're working, working towards physical health as well. And when you have a surrounding where you have families that are actually working and developing and trying and doing, and uh, they are in a mental state of supporting children. And uh, the teachers are there in the same way that their teacher is working constantly on its mental, emotional, and physical health. That is a, like, if you look at the current system and the current teacher, they're not working on anything. They're not working on their physical health. They're not working on their emotional health. They're not working on the mental health. They are destructive. And I believe that every single person that is working with children or surrounds children needs to be working on those aspects. And for me is the same question. Like it, we are conditioned constantly into having kids, but no one actually thinks about the idea that kids deserve to come into a family that is ready for them. Mm. Kids deserve to be in a family that is able to provide them the foundation, the attention that they individually need to live a healthy life, to live a satisfying life. And when we have kids, but we are 24 seven, not at home, even when we are at home, we are not able to provide time and space for our children. What's the point of having them? It's like children are not pets. 
you do not go and adopt a child or give birth to a child for the child to be alone mm. and discover the world by themselves. If you live that way, it doesn't mean that your child deserved it. And children shouldn't be pets. Children should be respected. Children should come into a family that made a conscious decision that they are bringing a child into this life and they know that it is their role up until the child is past 15, 16 to provide a healthy environment that is caring, that is supportive, that is accepting, and that is there for the child because the child needs guidance. Child needs to learn by example. And if you're not able to be that example, the healthy example that you want the child to have, it's criminal to bring children into a different life yes. where they won't get it. Beautiful said. Thank you very much, Ellen. How can people reach you? I mean, we'll, we will give all your details to the podcast anyway, but just only let us know verbally. Um, in terms of uh, reaching me, the, the fastest way is uh, DMing me uh, directly in Facebook or Instagram or LinkedIn, direct messaging. Um, it's uh, Alan Late on every platform, uh, can be easily found. Um, I'm currently finishing up details of uh, redeveloping my website. It's alanlate.com. And um, in general, um, I'm currently focusing, uh, like as well, I had a big pivot at the beginning of this year. And the pivot was into actually accepting that who I genuinely want to work for without prejudice, without limiting myself by ideas of how people will look at me or how will people perceive me. And um, I made a big decision to focus on working with women, uh, women coaches and solopreneurs, uh, and helping them to be heard, be supported, and be empowered to reach their potential and reach and shine to the world. And that is my current focus. And for all those listeners out there who are in a position where they are trying to deliver their truth to the world, they're trying to build a business that they love and they need support, feel free to reach out and I'll do my best to provide uh, resources, knowledge, ideas and direct you in a direction that can assist your journey. Thank you very much for your insights, for your information for your inputs and all the, the views and, and really very valuable information. I highly appreciate it. I wish you all the best. And I also can say if you nurture a woman, you nurture a whole world and the mm. family itself. Beautiful. And with these words, I want to say thank you very much again. And thank, thank you, you listeners that you stayed till to the end because every single word is worth hearing. And just reach out for Ellen if you want to know more. Thank you. Thank you. You simply are more than you think, but feel, see, hear and know.